Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. If you are interested in learning more about our organization, please go to georgiamta.org. Today, we are joined by Joy Poole. Hello, Joy. Hi. Let's get started with just a background question. Tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Well, I um, do a lot of different roles in music. I am a private instructor in my home. I have a home studio. And then I also do a lot of accompanying um, in the county and um, through local schools, um, their programs or musicals, that kind of thing. Um, I've also accompanied at my church in past years and um, work in arts camps and things like that over the summer. Hmm. Tell me about how you got to where you are today. Where did your journey with music start? Years ago, my dad was a um, music director in a local church, and he did not have a pianist. So he, when he um, started me in piano lessons, his whole goal was to have a pianist for church. So I started when I was in second grade, and um, by fifth grade, I was able to be accomplished enough to play and accompany like choirs and um, play for church. So that was the whole um, reason behind me getting started. A good many teachers over the year were like local church pianists that um, just taught me how to be successful in church accompanying. And then um, later we moved to a new town um, with a little bit um, more possibilities for teachers. And I was moved to a teacher that introduced me to classical music. And that was the first time I had ever been introduced to it. And she said, just had a love for it and the accomplish, you know, how you can accomplish so much with it. So um, she's the one that kind of led me into majoring in music. Hmm. Um, a, a couple of follow-up questions. How did you feel about starting piano lessons? It sounds like it was your dad's idea, but were you on board with it? I absolutely loved it. I was, they were the ones like I would play continually. And at one point they actually closed in our back porch because I played the piano. I would just play cover to cover on books. Anytime I would get a book, I would just play through it, just wanting to know what was in the book. So I played almost all the time and I just loved it. It was just, it was just definitely a passion for me. Mm. What instrument did your dad play? Because he was obviously a musician. He did not play an instrument. He did. I had three brothers. And at the same time that I started, he um, also had all of us take. And um, but he did not play any instruments at all. He grew up with a piano in his home and his mother played, but he did not play piano. Was he hands on at all in helping you practice and in your learning process? Or were you a fairly independent learner? I think I was pretty independent. I was also very shy about my playing. I didn't mind um, like playing for church or if I had to do a recital, you know, I didn't mind doing that. But when I was practicing, I didn't really want people sitting in the room with me or, or anyone listening. And the older I got, it was that same way where I would 
practice for recitals in my or competitions and my parents would not have even really heard it until I actually performed. So it was, it was, it's unusual, but I really enjoyed just being in the room and practicing. So. Do you have a favorite memory of any of your teachers that you can share with us? Um, in elementary school, this is very unusual, I think, but um, they would allow me to walk, my first teacher, they would allow me to walk from school. She lived a block away from school. So in the middle of the day, I would walk to her house and have a lesson and then come back. And her, her actual name was Miss Pritchett, but I thought her name was Miss Cricket for a number of years. And then we were talking about our first piano teacher one day and I said, well, Miss Cricket, and my mom was like, her name was Pritchett. <laughs> so that was just a funny story, but it was also unusual. I thought that they let me leave school and walk for lessons and then come back, so. That's interesting. Um, did that mean that you had to miss out on classes? Do you remember how that arrangement worked out? I do not remember. I was wondering, I was talking with someone the other day and I said, you know, I don't even remember like how that worked. Did I miss PE or did I miss, you know, a break or lunch or I know it had lunch, but, um, but it's just interesting. I'm not sure how they worked that out. So. Mm. So you talked about um, having a teacher that pointed you more towards classical music and then pointed you towards majoring music in college. Can you talk a little bit about what studying music in college was like for you? Where did you go to college and what kind of degree did you get? Um, I went to Tift College, which is part of Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And at the time, Tift College was still an all-girls school. And I chose that school because the teacher that I mentioned that directed me toward classical music studied under the teacher that was there. And um, she wanted me to go and study with her. Um, my degree was in music ed, but I also was considered piano performance because of my scholarship. Um, I had to be a performance major, but I wanted the music ed degree. Um, so the, my teacher was very petite. I think she was like five feet very, I mean, just if you can think of the most proper person you've ever met, it would be her. And I was afraid of her. <laughs> she was a fabulous teacher, but I did not want to disappoint her. I did, you know, I did not want to go into the lesson unprepared that when I say I was afraid of her, I just meant that I did not want to disappoint her. So I have very fond memories of her. And um, I grew up in a small town and went to that small college, but then they offered me so much as far as travel and and doing um, things with the choir and all. And I accompanied the choir at, in college and all. And we, um, just the opportunities that they gave me, I just have so many great memories of just, you know, learning so much in college other than just music. So, so you graduated college with a music ed and performance degree. What did you do after that? Did you go into public school teaching or did you start your private studio right away? I did both. I taught um, music education for elementary ages um, when I first graduated, but at the same time, I was still accompanying for church, and then I also had private piano students. Um, so it's kind of the typical music teacher's life, I believe, where we are extremely busy, and, um, and it's just part of our lifestyle. We don't even realize how busy we are, I don't think. So, um, but I've, over the years, I have taught um, early education, so um, elementary music, 
and kept a private studio going and then also worked in churches with their children's choirs and um, that kind of thing. Right now, it sounds like you predominantly teach a private studio and do various gigs in the area. Do you still do public school teaching? Um, And if not, at what point did that stop? I transitioned from public school teaching about 10 years ago when my local home church offered me a position that was similar, where I was over all the preschool and children's choirs. So I um, developed a program for them that was just like a graded choir program. So I did that up until um, a year ago, until we just recently moved to a new city. And um, with that position, it was almost like a school position, writing lesson plans and creating curriculum and that kind of thing. We did musicals. Um, and then also any accompanying in the church that was needed. And then um, also during the summer, we did some really exciting things. We had something called a creative arts camp that I worked with our dance instructor on, where we offered, um, and it's a, it was practically an all-day camp where they came in and they had choices to be introduced to all kinds of instruments of the orchestra. And, um, and then also not only that, but other creative arts like sewing, and pottery and um, I was trying to think, oh, woodworking, things like that. So um, the that camp was a very successful camp and so exciting to be a part of. Um, we always had people on waiting lists to get in and it was just a great time for our summer to have to offer that to our community. So this was at a church. A church organized all of these camps. Yes. Fascinating. Um, how, if you don't mind me asking, how did the camp fare over COVID and the lockdowns? Um, what happened with the camp? So last year we did not, we were not allowed to have camp. Um, so that was the first year we had missed in a number of years. And um, everything pretty much because it was pretty new. It, you know, March was when things pretty much started shutting down. And then our camp was usually June or July. So it was very new and the church churches weren't open yet, you know, to accept people to come in. So we ended up um, not having camp for the first time last year. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a hole in the summer without having camp. So, yeah. Wow. What a what an incredible opportunity for the community, though, when it is offered. It sounds like it's a very wonderful um contribution to to the community at large to have access to that. Tell me about um, some of your favorite memories as a teacher. I guess some some of them center around the recitals that we have every year and just seeing the progress over the year of the students and um, just their accomplishment and how proud they are when they know they worked really hard and then had a successful performance. Um, And then sharing that for the other students to see that maybe aren't as dedicated or disciplined in their practice. And then that encourages them. And then um, each year in my studio, I offer at Christmas time, instead of doing a recital, I do an open house recital where we have everyone comes in and during um, a few hours and we have lots of food and drinks and, and everything. And the students play their Christmas selections for us while we're all just mingling and talking, very informal. But over the years, I've had students who always come back for that, even after they've graduated. And I think that's one of my best memories is the ones who, 
you know, enjoyed that time so much that they come back on Christmas and play again. So that sounds fun. Uh, do they play? I'm sorry, maybe you already talked about this. Do they play mostly Christmas music or do they play other pieces as well? At the Christmas open house, we do all Christmas music and they can play as many as, you know, when we have a book um, that we're working on, I just put a check mark on any that they're welcome to play that's prepared. And some of them will go back and forth and play several during the night, you know. And it just kind of come as you are. There's no structure. They just sit down at the piano and play. Right. So whenever they can come, because, you know, December is always busy for parents and all. So it's usually like a three hour window and they drop in and they stay as long as they want. Some stay the whole time. Some come, you know, for 45 minutes or so. And um, it's just it's probably one of my favorite things of teaching. So That's fun. Describe your journey as a teacher. How have you changed and who or what have been your key influences? I remember first graduating probably as every other teacher when you first graduate you have definite plans of how you want to structure those lessons and you're going to include theory and you're going to include scales and you're going to have all the technique and you're going to you know it's going to pick out you're preparing every student for a college audition and I quickly learned that not every student is um, in that path there are some, you know, over the years, every student is different. So there are some that I'm preparing to play for, you know, a band at school, the jazz band, or there's some that I'm preparing to play for a church that uses only chord charts. There are some that I am preparing for college auditions. And then there's some that, you know, play by ear, but their parents, you know, they hear that and they, it's such a great talent and they struggle learning to read because they play by ear. So I've just learned that I don't, cannot have the same expectations for each student. And I have to treat each student individually. And even between siblings, I've learned that, you know, I don't, most of the time I don't keep siblings in the same books. If we start with, you know, lesson books or whatever, I don't put them in the same series just to give each student an opportunity to learn at their pace and not be challenged, you know, or compared to the sibling. So, but at first I definitely thought I had a plan and I was going to follow my studio policy and, and everything. And then I quickly learned how different students are and how they learn differently. So. Tell me about how you approach teaching and um, you kind of suggested at this or hinted at this, that every student will have a different goal. Um, how do you set appropriate goals for your students? And also, how do you set goals for yourself as a teacher? Learning each student is, you know, after you, when you take on a new student, you, um, it takes a while to kind of see their learning process, um, just in general, you know, how they learn, um, how much practice you can expect from them each week because each student is different in that their dedication to it. And um, I was speaking, I was talking with another friend that teaches this week and I was said, said, yes, one of my parents, you know, said, Oh, he's at his practice today, taking a picture of our lesson. I was thinking some of them have that mindset that coming to piano is like soccer practice, you know, where we're going to practice together. So I try to, you know, gauge the parents, what their expectations are. 
And when I do start lessons, I kind of have them come in. They can ask me questions. I ask them questions. You know, what are your goals? What are you thinking for your student, you know, um, for your child? When you, you know, for lessons, what do you want out of lessons? And that kind of helps me plan for each student. Um, when our Zoom lessons started during COVID, I really found out, I didn't realize this until that started how different each one of my students are because I had to order like a whole new library of books for me to have at home to match what I'd given the students. So that just showed me how different each student is and how you match their personality, their level of commitment, their time to practice and everything. Great, thank you for that. Um, speaking of parents, what advice do you have for parents who have children taking lessons? How can they encourage their child to succeed? What role do parents play in a child's musical development? Every parent is different. And um, I have some parents that are a little bit overbearing, you know, um, and then I've, then after, a, you know, a few months, you figure out, oh, they're really mimicking the parents and they haven't actually learned, you know, that kind of thing. And then, um, and those who like see one accomplishment and then think they can jump to, you know, even higher accomplishments before it's time you know, requesting different materials and things like that. Um, and then I have parents who are really hands-off and um, some, you know, they're sometimes children's do, children do fine with that. Sometimes they need some extra help. So what I try to do is gauge that as the weeks go by. And um, I talk with parents. Um, I try to build a relationship where that, where I can talk with them and say, um, especially if they had a good week of practice and we have a great lesson, I use that to my advantage and say, wow, whatever they did this week, we got to keep them doing it instead of going the other route of they didn't practice at all, you know, that kind of thing. So I try to take the positive weeks and build off of that. Um, I think I strayed from your question. No, just how, how can parents help their child succeed in music? Right. Well, I think it's just every, it's just like the student is different. Every parent is different. Um, I do encourage parents um, to remind their students to practice. I, you know, I use the example, you remind them to brush their teeth. You know, you remind them to do their homework. So why not remind them to do piano? It's not nagging, you know, to do that. So. Great. Thank you. Do you have passions and hobbies outside of music? I do. I really love tennis and um, I am interested. I'm excited to get involved in tennis here in LaGrange now that we've moved. And then I also love flowers and um, I try to do for close friends and family. I try to help with flowers for their weddings, things like that. So, or events and um, anything like designing. Um, I just really enjoy that. Mm, wonderful. What aspects of your life and career as a musician has surprised you? How does it measure up to the life you envisioned for yourself as a young musician? Um, well, when I first graduated from college, I really thought I would teach school the rest of my life. I, I enjoy, I love teaching. 
And um, I love teaching privately. I love teaching group lessons, um, choirs, adult choirs. It doesn't matter the age. I just really enjoy teaching. So um, I thought that would just be the path that I would be on. I never would have thought that I would do um, like a music program in church, you know, because when I, where I grew up, it was a smaller town. We didn't offer things like that. We had one children's choir, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but to be able to offer like a full music education in church and then also um, like summer camps, arts camps, things, I really never envisioned that for myself. Um, so that was very exciting to have those opportunities to do that. And then um, accompanying has always just been part of part of what I do. Um, my kids went through school and I would accompany for all their courses and activities and things like that, you know, through all their school programs. Um, so instead of thinking like I'm only a piano teacher, there was just so many more opportunities for me as a music professional. Hmm. So tagging on to that, do you have any advice for young musical professionals um, as they embark on their career and interprofessional life? Um, the biggest thing for me was being involved in GMTA, or when I was in Tennessee, I was part of MTNA. Um, they, when I was in college, my teachers introduced me to MTNA, and from there, I met so many people and that became friends, colleagues, that, um, you know, I even now we'll call someone who lives across the state to say, hey, this is what happened. What do you do in this situation? So we still learn, no matter how long we've been teaching, we are still learning. Um, and being part of that connection of MTNA is still very um, important for me. Um, the, the classes, the sessions we're offered, the conferences we have, um, just, any, I mean, there's just a multitude of um, like furthering our education, even though we're not back in school. So um, I would definitely encourage any student to be a part of um, MTNA. Great. What advice would you give to young pre-collegiate musicians about a life with music? Um, any of my students that are considering going um, to study music in college. I talked with both them and their parents about the degree and how um, from day one, you start your music degree. So you have extra classes that other students may not have. Um, and then also on top of that, you have requirements for your, um, you know, your practice. And then also um, requirements for going to programs and concerts and things like that. It's a, it's a, it's a field that prepares you, your degree prepares you for how busy you're going to be once you get out. So I try to let them know that, you know, their discipline and dedication is very important for them to be successful if they decide to major in music. Hmm. Great. Well, Joy, that was our very last question. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for chatting with me today. And thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners. This was fun and interesting. I wish you happy teaching and happy students.